Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. Good morning. Well, as everyone else has said, happy Mother's Day to all the moms, grandmas, daughters, sisters. You know, there's moms. And I want to take a minute because sometimes Mother's Day is not an easy day. For some people, maybe you lost your mom. Maybe you've been trying to be a mom and it hasn't happened yet, but that doesn't yet is the operative word there. Maybe, maybe Mother's Day has been difficult for you, but even for you today, there's grace for you. And if you'll receive that grace and that peace, I know God will bless you. So happy Mother's Day to everyone. This is not a Mother's Day message, so I'm not coming here to preach to the ladies. I am, but to the ladies, to the men, to the boys, to the girls. God put this message in my heart about eight years ago, and I've been sitting on it for a very long time. And he never released me to give it until I was thinking about this morning and he said, I want you to release this word now. So if you're sitting in this room today, it's because he has a word for you and I want you to take hold of it today because it can change your life. How many of you know if you take this word of God and you apply it to your life, it will change your life? Amen? Can I have a louder amen than that? Amen. Thank you. I need you to talk back to me. Give me a little energy this morning. You know, my mom, she's always been an inspiration to me. So this is the only part of the message you're going to hear about moms, okay? My mother is awesome. She's, she's an amazing lady. She's always been an inspiration to me. She was the mother of five children. I only have three. I don't know how she did five. I heard after three, it gets easier. It's just the same thing. But I don't know if I believe that. Uh, we were all a handful. She was the, the mother of five children. She and my father, in just a few weeks, will celebrate their 50 wedding anniversary. They've been through difficult times, tough times. They always, she, she taught, gave me some advice whenever I was talking to her once. She said, honey, there were some years I didn't even like your father, but I always chose to love him. And some years I was madly in love with him and I chose to love him then too. So she said, you may not like him sometimes, but that's okay. You just keep loving him. Uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago, but she, she did that. My mom could literally, I watched her. We didn't have very much money when I was growing up. So my mom would literally budget and she had everything on lock. I think she could feed a family of seven for about $150 a month. She had everything listed out. She would go to the store. She would get all the things. She got her menus done. She was awesome. But one of the things and the greatest thing about my mom was what she and my father instilled in me. They would take me to church. We grew up in a church setting. We loved God. We, we read the word. She made sure that we served God and loved God. And, and when I, at 17 years old, decided that I didn't want to serve God anymore and I walked away from him for a season of life, my mama was on her knees every morning at five o'clock in the morning praying for me every single day until the day that I came back. How many of you know there's power in a praying mama? So those, I said this, I think, at the women's event. If you've been praying for your kids, keep praying, keep believing God, because he will, whatever is put in them, that word of God will not return void, amen? Uh, one of the things that I learned when I was growing up, and, and I'm gonna date myself now, this was back in like the 70s, well, not 70s, I was, I was born in the 70s, but in the early 80s, we would go to Sunday school, and they had these things called flannel graphs. They were, I thought they were the coolest thing ever. They were these big um, landscapes and they were felt and they would take the little pictures and they would pop them up there to illustrate the story. It was it, probably now the kids wouldn't like that because they like like TikTok and video games. But, but it was like, it was before all of that. And one of the stories that I learned when I was growing up in the church in Sunday school was I, I heard the story of Solomon. Did anyone ever hear the story of Solomon? Remember Solomon? He was the son of David. He was the greatest king there ever was. He, he was the richest king. He built the temple. 
He asked God for wisdom and God gave him everything else. Does anyone remember that story? Well, I read, I loved that story because it talked about how this guy, his dad had died suddenly and all of a sudden the responsibility of life was squarely on Solomon's shoulders. And when I read this passage a few years ago, I read it in the Message Bible and God spoke something to my heart in this story. And I'm going to start at 1 Kings chapter 3 and we're going to start at verse 4. It said the king went to Gibeon, the most prestigious of the local shrines, to worship. He sacrificed a thousand whole burnt offerings on that altar. And that night there in Gibeon, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God asked him, what do you want? Can you imagine if you were just like praying? Well, first of all, I said this. That was a lot of responsibility. He all of a sudden is a king, doesn't know how to be a king. He doesn't know what's happening. And God appears to him and says, what do you want? How many of you know if God is asking you what you want, it's because he's prepared to give you what you ask for? And he said, what do you want? And Solomon said, you were extravagantly generous in love with David, my father. He lived faithfully in your presence and and his relationships were just, his heart was right. And you persisted in this great and generous love by giving him this very day a son to sit on the throne. And now here I am. God, my God, you have made me your servant, the ruler of the kingdom in place of David, my father. I'm too young for this. I'm a mere child. He said, I don't know the ropes. I hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am, set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, a great people, far too many to ever count. Has anyone ever been in a situation where suddenly you found yourself in a situation that you didn't quite know what to do? You said, this is a lot bigger than me. Pastor Chris was talking to the guys yesterday at the men's breakfast. I was in the back and I, and I heard him and he was like, you, th- you know, when you have kids, they don't come with an instruction manual. They hand you this little, they have you get to put them in a carrier and they send you home from the hospital. He said, he was like, what am I supposed to do? I said, I didn't didn't know how to be a mom when I first had my daughter. I was 21 when I had Lauren. I didn't even know what to do. I'd feed her like two eight ounce bottles when she was like two months old. I mean, I was like, I'd be like, oh, she's still hungry. And I would just give her more to eat. I didn't even, I didn't know. You're only supposed to give them like a little bit. I didn't know. There's things sometimes where you're in a circumstance or a situation or you're in a job or an opportunity presents itself to you where you're standing there and you don't know what to do. Has anyone ever been there? So he went to God and he said, I don't know what to do. You've given me this great honor and this great responsibility, but what am I supposed to do? But verse nine, this is the key verse of this passage. He said this, here is what I want. Because God said, what do you want? He said, give me a God listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people. And when I read that, that phrase popped out to me. Give me a God-listening heart so that I can lead your people well. See, everyone in this room today, you're a leader. You say, I'm not a leader. I work at Winn-Dixie. I'm not even a manager. I'm not the boss. I'm not in charge. I did not say you are a manager, supervisor, or a boss. I said you are a leader. If you're working at Winn-Dixie stocking shelves, become the best shelf stocker there ever was and do it the very best to your ability. You know, Cortez, God told me something about you, but I'm, I'm not meaning to put you on the spot, but I was hoping you would come because when I was preparing this message before I even talked to your mom, you're on a football team. 
You might say, I'm not a senior. I'm not a captain. You go be the best leader that you can be. You go outwork everybody else. You start to lead and you start developing a God-listening heart and he will give you an open doors for you that no man can open. And I heard that this morning. I, I'm, I, didn't, I don't want to embarrass you, but God spoke that to me earlier this week and again this morning. So you know what? It doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm only this or I'm only that or I'm not a leader. No one's following me. How about start following after him and just do the very best you can and pretty soon people will begin to follow you. You got to develop that. And people spend millions of dollars in this country to become better leaders. Amen. People go to conferences, listen to podcasts, read books. There are certain places that you can go where it might cost you $5,000 to sit with someone for a few hours to learn what they know. People want to become better leaders. But the Bible gives us the greatest key to leadership that we could ever have. Give me a God-listening heart so that I can lead your people well. The key to being a good leader is to develop a God-listening heart. Proverbs 21 verse 1 in the Message Bible says this. It says, good leadership is a channel of water controlled by God. He directs it to whichever end he chooses. See, God always knows what we should do. He always knows the answer to every question. I love the story. Uh, if you remember in the Bible, in the, in the New Testament, when Jesus was sitting with his 5,000 people and all of a sudden Jesus was teaching them and he looked at his disciples and he said, what are you going to do to feed all these people? And the disciples said, well, what do you mean? Me? They didn't come to see me. Why are, they, why are you asking me? And God said, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to feed them? But what it says was, but Jesus knew what he was going to do. See, he all, and we know the story that, that he, they gave him the little, he multiplied it, it made it great. But he always knows what he's going to do. When he's asking a question, how are you going to feed them? It was because he was already the answer. See, he always knows what you're supposed to do in every situation, in every day, no matter what, he knows what you're supposed to do. And if you allow him to lead you, how many of you know he'll lead you into the right path? So when we take the time to listen to his voice, it'll save us years of heartache. I wish sometimes that I had listened to God because if I had listened to him, I would have saved myself some situations and circumstances. See, when you're facing a situation with an employee, you have to say, what does God say about that? God, tell me what you want me to do. How do you want me to handle this? Maybe you're facing a difficulty with your children and you're like, God, what do I do? How about stop and listen and get a God-listening heart and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do I parent them better? How do I lead them better? When you don't know what to do, he always does. Luke chapter 8, verse 10 in the Passion Translation, he said this, you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm. Even though they have... Oh, but those who don't have a listening heart, my words are merely stories. Even when they have eyes, they're blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. See, when you don't have a God-listening heart, all you're hearing are words. You're not hearing revelation, knowledge, and it's revelation and understanding that changes your life. Without a God-listening heart, there is no understanding. Without a God-listening heart, there is no revelation. Without a God-listening heart, you won't even be able to comprehend what it is that God's trying to speak to you and show you. And if a God-listening heart is the key to leading well, wouldn't it stand to reason that we should understand what a God-listening heart is? And that's good because I'm going to tell you. 
I'm not just going to tell you, oh, have a God-listening heart, but what does that mean, Pastor Liz? What's a God-listening heart? Well, what the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit all those years ago when I read that passage was he said, a God-listening heart is a heart that recognizes, receives, and responds to the voice of God. A heart that recognizes, receives, and responds to the voice of God. So we're going to talk about those three things today. A God-listening heart, number one point, it recognizes the voice of God. I love the story of Samuel. I always talk about Samuel at the baby dedications, you know, when we're dedicating the children to the Lord. Hannah brought her son to the house of the Lord and left him here. I always say, do not do that. We are not going to keep your children. Um, don't bring them to the house. But she brought him and, because she wanted him and she gave him back to God. And he lived in the house of the Lord. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel was sleeping one night. And it said the boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. Eli was the priest. And then this was a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. And one night Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad and he could hardly see. It was well before dawn. The sanctuary lamp was burning. Samuel was in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested. And then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel heard the voice and he jumped up and he said, yes, I'm here. And he ran to Eli and he said, you called me. Here I am. I'm right here. And Eli said, I didn't call you, Samuel. Go back to bed. So he did. Then God called him again, Samuel, Samuel. So Samuel went up and he said, I heard you call me. Here I am. I'm here. And Eli said, son, I did not call you. Go back to bed. And it says this all happened before Samuel knew God for himself. It was before the revelation of God had been given to him personally. How many of you know sometimes you can hear, but you don't recognize what it is that you're hearing? And then he said, God called again Samuel the third time. And again, he got up and he went to Eli and he said, yes, I heard you call me. Here I am. And that's when it dawned on Eli that God was calling the boy. So Eli directed Samuel, go back and lay down. And if that voice calls you again, I want you to say, speak, God, I'm your servant, ready to listen. And Samuel returned to his bed. And then God came and stood before him, exactly as before, calling out Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel this time recognized whose voice it was. And he said, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. And God began to speak some things to Samuel in that moment. He began to tell him, Eli the priest is done. His sons are not the successors. I'm getting rid of basically this whole priestly thing. Basically, Samuel was getting ready to receive a promotion. But what if Samuel didn't stop to learn to recognize who was talking to him? He might have missed what it is that God was going trying to give him. And that made me think, how often is God speaking to you and I? How often is he telling us things, but because we don't recognize his voice, what it is he's trying to get us to receive, we walk away and we forfeit because we didn't recognize who it was that was talking. And so he said, we, we have to understand, I don't want to miss out on anything. How about you? I want everything God has for me. I want you to have everything God has for you. I don't want you to not to recognize his voice. Therefore, you walk away without ever stepping through an opportunity that he had for you. God's always trying to talk to us. He's always trying to speak to us. And what are we missing out on because we don't recognize his voice? John chapter 10 verse 2 says this, but the true shepherd walks right up to the gate and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep 
Recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out his sheep, he walks ahead and he, they will follow him because they are familiar with his voice. But they will run away from strangers and they will never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. He said, my sheep hear my voice. God will speak to you. You have to learn to recognize it. Sometimes the voice of God comes through a person. There's people in this church that are in this church that we always say that there's one voice that will unlock your destiny. You have to find it and recognize that's the voice. There are people sitting in this room today that are alive because they heard the voice of Pastor Chris and they said, that's, that's my voice. And there was someone who shared with us and I'm not gonna, but they, they were getting ready to die and they were in the in-between place, not quite here, not quite there. And they said, I kept hearing your voice over and over in my head, telling me not to give up, telling me not to let go. And I couldn't go because your voice was keeping me here. How many of you know that was the voice of God in their life through their pastor? But God is trying to speak to you, to protect you, to lead you, to guide you. And we have to learn how to recognize. But in this society, in this culture, there's so many other voices. The voices are loud. They're strong. There's so many that sometimes it's hard in all the noise. You have to let that one voice of God break through. And you've got to learn to say, that's the voice and I'm holding on to it and I'm not letting go. And in John 10, 25 through 28, Jesus continued with that parable. He said, I've told you the truth and you didn't believe me. The proof of who I am is revealed by all the miracles that I do in the name of the Father, yet you stubbornly refuse to follow me because you are not my sheep. As I've told you before, my own sheep will hear my voice and I know each one and they'll follow them to give them the gift of life and they'll never be lost and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. See, because they knew his voice, because they recognized who he was, he was like, you will, oh, I'm never going to let go of you. You're never going to be lost. Maybe you've walked around and you felt a little lost. Start tuning in your ear to listen and recognize the voice of Jesus and you'll never be lost. He'll keep you. He'll hold on to you. In John chapter 6, verse 19, the disciples were out on a boat. They spent a lot of time in boats on water and the boat and the waves were going and the, and the storm was crashing and there was Jesus just walking on the water. That didn't only happen once. I said, maybe that was his preferred mode of transportation. He's like, I'm not, the boat's too slow for me. I'm just going to kick a little walk. And he walked across the water and it says as he was coming the disciples saw him and they started panicking but verse 20 says this Jesus called out to them and said do not be afraid you know who I am see when you recognize his voice fear has no place in your life when you recognize who he is fear cannot live in your life you have to let the word cut through the noise, the other voices, the distortion of culture, of everything, and say that the word of God, God's voice, is the only voice I'm going to listen to. So the first key to having a God-listening heart is learning to recognize the voice of God. The second thing that you have to do, it's not enough just to recognize his voice. You can recognize that it's him speaking to you, but what do you do with what he is saying? Well, the second key is that a God-listening heart receives the voice of God. A God-listening heart receives the voice of God. In Luke chapter 1, and we're not going to go there, but I'll just tell you the story. Uh, Luke chapter 1, Zechariah was a high priest. And Zechariah was, was past the age of childbearing himself, and his wife definitely was. But they had always believed God for a child. They'd been believing God. They had prayed for a child. They never had a child. I said they were well past the age of childbearing. I was telling them this morning, I went to the doctor. He said, how old are you? Oh, you're 48? Well, you probably don't have to worry about that. And I said, yes and amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Pastor Chris was like, what would you do if you were pregnant? I said, I would lay on the floor and cry for about three days. 
I've been full-time mothering for 27 years, and my youngest is almost 17. Praise the Lord. I'm like, amen and hallelujah. I love my children. I can't wait to love all my adult children. I love them all. But, but what he did was, in verse, so he and his wife, she wasn't 48. She was well past the age of being able to have children, and so was he. And in verse 11, you can go there. You can put it up there if you want. Uh, It's Luke chapter 1, verse 11. It said, Zechariah was in the sanctuary, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar, and he was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and people will rejoice. And he was telling them all this stuff. Zechariah and Elizabeth had prayed for a child. They had believed God. And all of a sudden, here comes an angel in all his glory standing before him saying, God heard your prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but if an angel appeared to me and told me a prayer that I had been believing for for many years was coming, I'd probably have to believe that that was from God. Amen. And he said, don't worry. He said, "Um, God has heard your prayer. And he's going to answer your prayer. And he's going to give you the desire of your heart. But what Zechariah did next was what I think so many of us often do. It says in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. See, Zechariah heard the voice of God. Zechariah recognized that it was an angel of the Lord. But he failed to receive the word because he instantly said, How can that possibly happen? Now, those ladies that were here for together a few weeks ago, many of you were here, so you're going to hear this part again, but it's a good refresher, and a lot of you weren't here, so I'm just going to go there because we have to talk about that because when you you hear the voice of God, when you recognize that it's God speaking to you, you have two choices. You can either receive the voice of God or you can reject the voice of God. Mark chapter 4, in the parable of the sower, in verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? A a farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others, and the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Other versions say that the, the word is sown in your heart, but the enemy immediately comes to steal it. How can the enemy steal something that's in your heart? He can't. You have power and authority over him. But what he can do is the minute that you reject that seed out of your heart, the minute it leaves your heart because you say, how can that be? I don't understand. I don't think so. It's been too long. I've been praying for years. The minute that you let go and you reject that word, the enemy comes to snatch it and take it away. How many words have we forfeited because we didn't hold on to them? When God speaks to you, you have to receive that word and hold on to that word and say, I'm not going to let go of that word. What word do you have? What has God spoken to you? And how are you holding on to it? Or did you reject it? If you rejected it, don't worry about it. Pray and say, God, speak it to me again. This time I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to let it go. The next time he speaks, receive it. In Jeremiah 6, verse 10, the prophet said, to whom can I give warning? Who will listen when I speak? Their ears are closed and they cannot hear. They scorn the word of the Lord. They don't want to listen at all. And when you do not receive God's word, your ears start become closed to what he is saying. Jesus continued. Jesus would say this a lot. If you read the New Testament, he would say, anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. What do you mean? You can hear, but you can reject. 
You can hear, but you're not listening to what he's saying. In Mark chapter, continuing in verse 21, Jesus asked him, would anyone light a lamp and place it under a basket or a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine, for everything that's hidden will be brought in the open. Every secret will be brought to light, and anyone with ears should listen and understand. And he said this in verse 24, and it's important. He said, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. You might not understand what it is that he's saying to you. But if you say, I'm just going to receive it and I'm not going to reject it, I'm going to hold on to it. How many of you know he'll start speaking to you a little bit more? I told some, some people uh, this week, I was talking to a group of girls and I said, I wish that God would have given me a roadmap to my life and said, here's everything you're going to do. No, he gave me a little piece, and it wasn't until I was obedient that he gave me the next part of it. What he said was, if you will start to listen and receive my voice, then what will happen is I'll give you more understanding. You might not understand it in the beginning. You know, there's a difference between something making sense and understanding something. I tell people that all the time. You can talk to me, and I don't know what you're talking about, but it will make sense. You know what I'm talking about? I had someone, they were a computer person, and they were telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, they were, it was all these technical terms, and I'm like, I don't know what you are saying, but I know it makes sense, because something about it makes sense, so just do what you do. I don't need to understand it, just I'm going to trust you, and then sometimes people will talk to me, and I don't know what they're talking about, and on the inside, I'm like, that makes no sense to me. Well, let me explain it to you. You could explain it all day long, and it doesn't make sense. There's a difference between understanding. You have to say, hey, I don't understand it. I don't know what you're talking about, God, but it makes sense because it came from you, and so I'm just going to receive it and say, okay. You have to hold on to it. That's why it's receiving his voice is so important because even if you don't understand it in the natural, you have to say, hey, help me understand. Give me a little more understanding. Once he says, I'm not, you're not going to reject it, he'll give you more and he'll give you more and he'll open up your spiritual eyes to discern and understand. So we have to have a God-listening heart that recognizes the voice of God. We have to have a God-listening heart that receives the voice of God. I think about you. Your, your business will expand and open when you listen and you go, okay, God, where? You'll be driving by and God will be like, that's the spot right there. And you'll be like, I don't even know. I've been talking to some friends of mine. It was amazing. Like when we even first moved into this building, we were having, we, we knew, we, we talked about this building. We said, this building's cool. There were some other things in this building. We weren't, you know, it wasn't even available. And, and one day, a, a realtor in town called Pastor Chris and said, Pastor Chris, I have heard you on the radio. Can I go have um, coffee with you? And he said, sure. And I had staff meeting with our staff, and I said, something is getting ready to happen. I don't know what it is. I don't know how, and I don't know when, and I don't know anything else, but I want you to be praying because we need to have favor like that church on Bevel Road where the daycare brought all the property and they leased the building out to a church. The Holy Spirit put that in me. But how was that going to happen? There was already people. It was a whole thing. Pastor Chris walked in my office an hour later, and he said, you will not believe what is going to be available. And I said, no, I have no idea. The church on Bevel Road is coming available, and the, and the owner of it wants to talk to us. I said, wow, I have friends who said they were getting ready to sign the leases on other properties, but the place that, that was in their heart, it didn't make sense to go drive by and check it out one more time, but they did, and they saw, oh, wait, now we can go where God, God will lead you and guide you and direct you. So it's not enough, though, to just recognize his voice. It's not enough just to receive his voice. The third key to that is that a God-listening heart responds to the voice of God. 
A God-listening heart responds to the voice of God because once we hear his voice, we have a responsibility to, to respond to what we hear. I said this, if there's a door and God tells me there's a door right here and all you have to do is open that door and walk through it and there's a blessing for you on the other side. If I hear his voice and say, yes, God, that's your voice. That's awesome. I love it. I'm so excited. I hear your voice. I receive that for me. But in order to access that blessing, I have to walk over, open the door, and walk through it because that's where the blessing is. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to receive. There's a side of responding to his voice that you have to do to access everything he has for you. James chapter 2, James 2.26, what does it say? Faith without works is? Can we say it again? Faith without works is? That's right. That means you have to have a corresponding action to what you hear. God is speaking to you all day, every day. He speaks to you about little things. He's speaking to you about big things. He's speaking to you. Pick up the phone. I said, I said this this morning. I had to, there was somebody that God put on my heart to call four days before I actually called them because every time I went to pick up the phone, the phone would ring and I'd forget and I'd be like, oh man, guess what? I was disobedient. I had to call them and say, I'm so sorry. I, I, I needed to call you three days ago because God told me to call them back then and I didn't. How many of you know that things happen and the enemy comes and distracts and distorts, especially when it's something that's for your breakthrough? When it's something that's for your breakthrough, how many of you know God will give you a, an, a, a he'll tell you to do something, but it, the enemy will try to bring stuff across your path to keep you from responding to what it is that God told you to do. So we have to understand that, that God has great things for us. God is speaking to us, but we have to do what he says in order to access the blessing that he has. I remember there was this song back when I was growing up. It was a little less talk and a lot more action. Anyone remember that song? Anyone over the age of 35? Remember that song? A little less talk. How many of you know talking is great, but sometimes you've got to put action. Oh, I believe God. I'm so excited. And all you're doing is talking and you're not doing anything that he told you to do. You're not being obedient to take a step. You're just talking about it. How many of you know you're forfeited too just as much? You, it, it, in Matthew 21, Jesus told this parable, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. He told a parable. He said a man had two sons, and one of the sons, he asked him to go do something for him. He said there was a man with two sons. The father said, I want you to go work in the field today. And the son said, uh, I'd rather not. I said, this morning, I was like, wait, that, I was like, that wouldn't happen in my house. I said, oh, wait, it does. His son said, no, I, I don't, no, thank you. I don't want to go work in the field. But afterwards, he regretted what he said, and he went and did it anyway, and he changed his mind. But the father went to the second son, and he said the same thing. I want you to go work in the vineyard. And the father said, oh, father, I, I will go and do as you say, absolutely. But he didn't. He didn't go to the vineyard. How and Jesus said, which one of those sons did the will of this father? The first one, because the second one just talked about it. The first one was about it. There's a level of where we can't just talk, we have to do. We can't just say we believe God. We have to show that we believe God. We have to step out and be obedient to what he's saying. I thought of Luke chapter 5. How many of you remember the story? Peter was out fishing. He was a fisherman, and he was out fishing, and they had fished all night, and they caught no fish. Does this story sound familiar to anyone? And we know Jesus came. He borrowed Peter's boat. He preached to the multitudes, and then he said, hey, Peter, you know what I want you to do? He said, uh, go out there and let your nets down, because Peter said, we've been fishing all night, and we haven't caught anything, and Jesus said, okay, go let your nets for a draught. 
And Simon answered him and said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. See, I think it's important to understand that Peter recognized the voice of Jesus. Peter received the voice of Jesus. Peter responded to the voice of Jesus. But Jesus said, let down the nets, plural. And Peter said, okay, I'll let down a net. And we know that that net was filled with so many fish that their partners had to come and all that. But I thought, how much more would have happened if they would have been obedient to let down all the nets? Sometimes we hear God's voice, we respond, but we only respond as much as we want to respond. Well, I think it's important to to, to share this this morning, that partial obedience is not obedience at all in the sight of God. Now, I say this lovingly because I love you. There are some things that God has told you that you've only done a portion of, and you go, okay, there's a story, and it's in 1 Samuel, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and it's the story of Saul. The, the word of the Lord came to Saul, and, 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 and God spoke to him. And you, can, you, can, you don't have to put that up there. I'm going to tell the story, um, and then we'll put that up in a minute. So um, the, the story, it was this, that, that the prophet came, and he told Saul, I want you to go, and I want you to wipe out this entire nation. You're not to keep anything. You're not to keep anyone. You're not to save anyone. And Saul did all of it except for 99. He did 99% of what God said, except he kept the king and he kept the best goats and cows and all that. He did what God said, but he didn't do it all the way. And God had a curious response to this. God told him when, when, when Saul didn't agree and then change his mind, Saul thought he did what he was doing. He went out immediately. He, he was going to obey. He was going to respond. But God said in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 10 to 11, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have made him the king. Because he's turned back from following me because he didn't do what I asked. That seems a little harsh. He did 99%. He left out 1%. But God said partial obedience is disobedience in my eyes. And sometimes, why is that important? Because sometimes we only do part of what God says. We try to justify it, but the, bad, the worst thing was when Saul came back from the battle, he was so excited to tell Samuel, we did everything. We did what God said. Oh, man, I did it. And Samuel said, no, you didn't. What do you mean? Yes, we did. We did what God said. He said, no, didn't God say to get rid of everybody? He didn't say keep any prisoners. He didn't say keep any. Oh, we did it. To, we, and he, and he made, started making all these excuses, but at that point, God's presence left Saul, and God started looking for a new king. Now, you go, well, wait a second, didn't he do? Sometimes partial obedience all the time, partial obedience is not obedience. It's disobedience. And I say that because that's important. When God tells you something, do it all the way. In James chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that's the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and you don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and you forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear, and they're strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do. Why is it so important to respond to what you hear? Because not only does he strengthen you, not only does he keep you safe, not only does he help you 
You experience God's blessing in all you do when you say, let me have a God-listening heart. Let me recognize your voice. Let me receive your voice and let me respond to what it is that you're telling me to do. When you ask God to give you a God-listening heart, not only will you lead well, not only will you prosper and have good success, but there's other rewards that come to it as well. Second Chronicles chapter 1 tells the end of that story when Solomon was sitting there and praying and asking God for a God-listening heart. It says, God answered Solomon, this is what has come out of your heart. You didn't grasp for money, wealth, fame, and the doom of your enemies. You didn't even ask me for a long life. You asked for wisdom and knowledge so you could govern well my people over whom I've made you king. Because of this, you get what you ask for wisdom, and knowledge. And I'm presenting you the rest as a bonus. Money, wealth, and fame beyond anything the kings before or after you ever had or will have. See, when he asked for a God-listening heart, that's what I desire, is a God-listening heart. God said, yeah, I'm going to give that to you, and I'm going to give you everything else too. God wants you to respond to his voice. God wants you. The thing is this, he's a good father, You know, we say that, you sing that song, he's a good father, that's who you are. He wants every good and perfect blessing for you. He wants everything for you. But sometimes we have to listen to him in order to get what he's asking for. There's been times I was going to do something for one of my kids, and I asked them to do something because I planned to have a reward on the other side, but they just didn't do it. So I couldn't give them the reward that I had set up for them. And I couldn't even tell them about it. And as a parent, that's kind of hard, right? You're like, you want to bless your kids. You want to do for your kids most of the time. Sometimes you want them to go in the other room and leave you alone. But as a parent, you want to do for your kids. We have a heavenly father who wants to do for us. He's saying, hey, I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to open doors. I said this in the earlier service. How many of you watch Shark Tank? Does anyone ever watch Shark Tank? Have you ever watched Shark Tank and been like, I had that idea? That was an idea I had. I should have done it. How do you know what? God gave you that idea because he was trying to bless you, but you didn't do anything with the idea he had, and now someone else is making millions of dollars from your idea. It's okay. Repent. Say, God, I speak, Lord. Your child is listening. Next time you speak to me, I'm going to do something with it. Because how many of you know he's trying to get you to another place? He's trying to help you grow. He's trying to help prosper you. He's trying to favor you. He's trying to give you everything that you need. But you have to say, give me a God-listening heart. Let me recognize your voice. Let me receive the voice. And let me respond to your voice greater than ever before. Amen? Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes in this place this morning? Because first and foremost, I just want to give you the opportunity that maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. Maybe you say, I don't have a God-listening heart because I don't have him in my heart. Well, right now, it's your opportunity and it's your chance. See, no matter what you've done, no matter what you ever will do, no matter what you ever think about doing, no matter what, you have a God who loves you and gave his life for you. And all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth is what he says in order for him to receive you. So if that's you this morning and you're in this place, no one's looking around. This moment is just between you and him. If you say, that's me this morning, I want to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Would you just raise your hand and say that to you today? You're in this place. If you're watching online, you can do the same thing. And let's just all say this together. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in my heart that you are the son of God. And I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. 
I ask you right now to come into my heart, to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord, be my Savior from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And just keep your heads bowed for a minute because I I do, I wanna take a minute and let's just pray. Maybe you're in here and you say, I need a God-listening heart. God, give me a God-listening heart. And if that's you, just lift up your hand and say, yeah, I want a God-listening heart. That should be every hand in this building. And we're just gonna pray because how many of you know what he asked you for and he's gonna give it to you? God, I just pray for every person under the sound of my voice right now. I thank you for giving them a God-listening heart, that they will learn to recognize your voice beyond the noise, greater than everything, that your voice will cut through the chaos and that they will hear your voice greater than ever before and that they will receive what it is that you've said to them. And God, I just thank you that they will learn to respond, to be quick to obey, and that you will lead them, guide them, prosper them, bless them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, you guys go enjoy your Mother's Day. We have a gift for all the ladies out there. We have a necklace. It's a little key to remember that a God-listening heart is the key to leading well. Guys, you can go take a picture of it and keep it on your phone because I don't think you want to wear it. We have a great photo booth out there. You can go take pictures with your kids. We love you. God bless you. Go give your mama a hug and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.